Good morning, good evening, good afternoon, whatever time you are tuning in, welcome to homesteading and gardening in the suburbs. I'm Emma from Mystic Gardening and we're talking about growing peppers today. It's finally time that I can start seeds and it's such a welcome task to be doing indoors to warm up, especially after doing chicken chores, after the snow's settling outside and I know I mentioned last podcast if you want to see the chickens and the setup that we have I posted a video over on YouTube doing the chicken trails after the last snowstorm so if you're interested um, the link will be in the show notes and you can go and check out what we've been doing and how things are uh, going on the farm so take a look at that now let's talk about peppers um, because we've been starting our pepper seeds and actually um, because of how wet the year was last year we're finding that some of the seeds that we've had in storage have had moisture ingress into those containers and unfortunately there was some seeds that I had gotten from a seed company that's no longer um, in business and it's varieties that I've never found anywhere else and I was so sad to find that a bunch of these pepper seeds had gone moldy so I am growing out way more peppers than I have ever grown before to try and get these varieties to grow and hopefully grow them out enough that I can save the seeds from these varieties and uh maintain them and hopefully see about sharing them through uh, something like Seed Savers Exchange or something like that so um, other people can get to enjoy these wonderful varieties. Um, but it's one of those things that I'm obviously really passionate about and you've heard me talk about before on the podcast is having you know, these heirloom seeds be growing in the garden and having things growing by other people people other gardeners other homesteaders like the best seed storage that we have is to be growing and saving our own seed and sharing them with other people because if things are you know left in a seed bank somewhere you know whether it's your own seed bank or somewhere else you know things don't always work out to plan in the seed bank and this is how things can get lost so one of the things that I have been trying to do um, as we've been getting the homestead or the farm all set up is growing out different varieties that I I have that I'm not able to get anymore and saving new seed I've got seeds that are from back in 2015 2014 you know really really old seeds some are even older that I've purchased and um, you know as seeds get older they lose their viability they become more and more difficult to germinate so really getting a good plan together to get things growing out and saving seeds um, that's kind of what I'm working on but we've started with peppers here on the homestead and peppers are part of the nightshade family so that's the same family that has tomatoes potatoes and eggplants now peppers and eggplants I start at least eight weeks before spring in actual fact I tend to start them around 10 to 12 weeks before spring so that they're big enough to get established and produce in the short growing season that we have here in Maine now last year 
even with all the crazy rain and things getting moldy and you know all of that it was a bit of a hot mess in the garden except for the hot peppers so 2023 was the year of the hot peppers for us on the homestead which definitely made my husband very happy he even wants to do some of his own container gardening uh, up on the well we call it the patio but it's like a giant concrete pad um, that's standing after we took a old chicken barn down so that nice um, concrete pad is going to be a really great sink to absorb the heat from the sun and radiate that out overnight so we're kind of hoping that by growing things in containers up on the patio there we're going to be able to have things ripen a bit faster um, and hopefully um, we'll have a bit of a longer growing season because for some of the pepper varieties that we grew last year they were only green they didn't make it through to full maturity just because you know it wasn't a great season but we we also have a short growing season so let's uh, run through some basic info for peppers before we really dig in so peppers are a warm weather or a warm season crop that need full sun they grow in zones three to ten they're not cold hardy in some areas of the u.s particularly if you're in southern states we've got some friends down in texas and they have a pepper plant that's a number of years old it's like a giant shrub that's there um but they're able to overwinter it and it keeps producing year after year so for some plants you can grow them in containers bring them indoors nurture them indoors and then bring them outside and grow them again the following year and that's certainly something that i had done in the uk previously but for most of us here in the us we need to be starting them early because peppers need a warm soil so the soil needs to be above 80 degrees fahrenheit 27 degrees celsius to germinate and grow the average days to maturity for peppers are 90 to 120 days now for example where i live my growing season is 135 days so i have to start my plants growing early to make sure that they are going to be producing fruits before the season ends if i was to start my my um pepper seeds like at spring you know at the last frost date they wouldn't you know depending on the variety they would never produce until you know the frost is coming again and here's the thing pepper seeds can be very slow to germinate some of them can take up to 21 days for them to even sprout so having a warm potting soil warming those seed trays having you know the bottom heat from a seed starting mat is going to help and also some varieties actually benefit with having light light encourages those seeds to germinate so you don't want to cover your pepper seeds too much um, certain varieties i think habaneros is one of them that actually do a lot better if they're able to see the light and one of the tips that i've seen for peppers is to have your grow light set to 12 to 16 hours so you're probably not going to be wanting to set up your pepper seed starting in your bedroom um, if you're going to be having lights on for that length of time now if you are using lights um, a good tip just generally for 
starting your seeds is you want to keep your grow lights low you want to have them close to the seeds sprouting and germinating and growing because that's going to aid a good stocky bushy growth of the plant and that's what you want you want a good stout plant you don't want spindly or leggy plants those you know little whips that grow super super tall really quickly and then they just kind of topple over you don't want that what's happening there is your seedling isn't getting enough light so it's growing as fast as it can up to the light to be able to help it grow so keep your grow lights low keep them bright and um, you should be able to raise your grow lights as those plants grow now for peppers and you know many other plants that we are starting indoors we transplant seedlings into bigger containers so as the plants get bigger and outgrow the container that we're starting them in or you know maybe they're getting overcrowded that you've got multiple seeds starting in a container we'll gently remove those split them up and put them in their own container to help them get bigger help them get more established indoors and then once after all risk of frost has passed in your area then you can think about getting them outdoors now while you're waiting for frost to pass you can prepare where you plan to grow your peppers um, as soon as the ground can be worked with a garden fork or a hand trowel of course um, if where you plan on growing your garden is still under three feet of snow then you're not going to be able to do much other than wait but there are some things that we can do to help warm up where we're wanting to grow our plants um, or we can choose to do things in containers like my husband's doing so when it comes to choosing our planting site for peppers um, and any warm weather crop really we want to choose a full sun location so somewhere that gets sun all of the time and if you're in the north like I am we want all of that sun and all of that warmth but if you're in the southern states you want to be choosing somewhere that gets some afternoon shade to reduce the fruits from scorching a lot of that heat is in the afternoon and having some respite from the sun is going to help reduce those fruits from getting scorching or burning on them from the uh, the strength of the sun there so have a think about where might be best in your garden to be putting in your peppers now to get your planting space prepped you can dig in you know working with a garden fork um, a bunch of well-rotted compost typically you want to be spreading about two to three inches of well-rotted compost or you could just spread it in in a layer on top and let the worms come up and do the work for you typically for me um, because I'm using a no-till or no-dig system we just spread um, well-rotted compost on top of the beds and in fact we're just spreading it on top of wood chips and things that we have that are there on the garden and one tip that i have found that worked really well and this worked incredibly well for us with sweet potatoes um because i managed to get sweet potatoes to grow from a store-bought sweet potato that had sprouted um and we had a you know pretty good harvest of sweet potatoes actually um until a rat found them um and i was very sad about that um unfortunately after we'd harvested them um so 
uh, top tip from me. Um, make sure to use your produce before something else gets it. Um, but what we did was after we spread that compost down, we put a cold frame over the area where we were going to plant the um, sweet potatoes or the peppers in this case and we put it in place a good two weeks before the last expected frost date so things were thawing out in the garden it wasn't like completely thought you know thought of frost and snow where where I was but I put this cold frame down I put some well-rotted compost down that I was able to get out of the composter as that was defrosting and just left it in place for two weeks and after the last frost date what I did was I planted my sweet potatoes in there and I left that cold frame in place for another couple of weeks just to make sure um, that there wasn't any you know late night drops in temperature because a frost in June isn't completely out of the ordinary where I live but if you don't have a cold frame you could even use a plastic mulch black plastic mulch is fairly common to help warm the soil in fact I see a lot of farmers here in Maine using that, particularly for some of these warm weather crops to help warm up that soil so they can get the plants in earlier and be able to get a harvest, right? So there's a couple of things that you could do if you've got a short growing season like I do. You could look for varieties that have a short or a smaller number of days to maturity. So if I've got a pepper, let's say I've got two different varieties. One will ripen at 110 days and one will ripen at 90 days. I'm more likely to get a harvest from the one that's going to ripen in 90 days to maturity, even if I start those earlier. So that's that's a tip that I've found to work. And that works as a, a method of... Um, planning to be able to get more different crops in your space um, and also it's a way that you can figure things out from a, a timing perspective if you're trying to grow multiple varieties and you want to save seed from different varieties um, but having your soil warmed and prepped ready to go is going to reduce a lot of stress on your plants and the warmer you can keep it with the the soil and the air temperature um, the less transplant shock that that plant is going to have and I will say I'm, I'm kind of excited to start remodeling the farmhouse this year um, especially since I could turn some of these old windows into new cold frames for the garden um, and that's something that you can do you can pick up um, various old windows and stuff from lots of different places there's a lot of um, places that will recycle them where you can buy them as a secondhand kind of thrift store you could look in you know your local classifieds marketplace all that kind of stuff you could use windows we used an old door I think we had an old shower door that we turned into it was either a shower door or a patio door that we turned into a um, larger cold frame where we used to live and that worked pretty good um, I've used plastic like clear plastic as a makeshift cold frame before um, and I think we have an old shower door um, kicking about in our um, storage shed so that might be coming a cold frame or it might be coming like a solar oven or something not entirely sure but 
either way it's going to get put to some good use and you know we live in such a great technology age where there's all of these great ideas to upcycle things particularly for the garden um you know at our fingertips so you can do a quick search online and see about how to warm the soil you know what things you can you know make into a cold frame um you can make small polytunnels with plastic and you know you can if you've got some metal coat hangers you can just t take the hook bit off and turn them into like a little um support system um you know use those over a row and cover it with some plastic and that'll help warm the soil um, you could also get some cloches now cloches could be um, glass or they can be plastic like the large um, clear soda bottles those work pretty well as a cloche for an individual plant um, but you know the list really is as limited as your imagination on what you can use to warm the soil. So have a look for cloches, um, spelled C-L-O-C-H-E-S, um, or ways to warm the soil. So um, you might be surprised at what you have laying around that you could use to get your garden prepped and get your plants out in a more timely manner and also um, have your plants have less transplant shock as they're planted into their new location. Now, it's important to be hardening off your plants and getting them used to life outside. So bringing them outside on warm days and gradually acclimating them to life outside. And then you finally transplant them into the final growing position. So for me, that's about two weeks after the last frost date. And one of the things that we do is we have a little kind of plastic greenhouse that we bring to well we used to have it on the back deck until the dogs thought that it was a really great game to take all of the plants that were there and then they would go running around the yard with them and pulling them apart thinking it was the best game ever so um it no longer lives on the back porch but that was kind of a good place for it because it was relatively sheltered um now um, I think we have had it out in the, the front yard and the front yard for me is full sun so um, I need to make sure that it does get a little bit of shade so things are not baking in the little greenhouse but for hardier plants you know we would bring them outside on a on a warm day um, particularly if it wasn't super windy and um, just have them sitting outside you know enjoying that sunshine and you know the fresh air for a bit and then bringing them in on you know an evening before it got too cold so sort of late in the afternoon um, and then putting them back where they were growing indoors and um, we would do that over about 10 days um, or so maybe a little longer sometimes a little less depending on things needing to get out into the ground and you know some of your hardier plants like your brassicas you know kales cabbages all that kind of stuff they're a little bit more forgiving but your warm weather crops like they really only need to be going out once that risk of frost has passed and you know I wouldn't really recommend putting things out before your last frost date unless you have some substantial kind of frost protection stuff set up um, to be able to make sure that those nighttime temperatures don't drop down too far. 
Now your pepper plants, when you're planting things out, you want to be having them about 12 to 18 inches between plants. And you can, I mean, when I'm planting, I tend to plant in a zigzag as I'm putting things in. So there's space to kind of grow other things in between. So maybe I'll grow some herbs or some flowering plants or something to attract pollinators um, or maybe some lettuce or something like that, just to kind of fill in the space a little bit. Um, and when you're planting, you can, you know, add things like crushed eggshells into the planting hole if you like, or maybe you've got a handful of extra compost. That's typically what we do. I'll put in an extra handful of compost as I'm planting. Um, maybe you've got some mycorrhizal fungi or some kelp meal, or maybe you've even got, you know, a little sprinkling of some OMRI or OMRI listed fertilizer for organic gardening that you want to put in, you know, whatever you normally plant things in you know you can do that with peppers i know with tomatoes people get very creative with the things that they plant in with their tomato plants and you can do something similar for peppers too since a lot of the troubles that tomatoes have you know can sometimes happen with your peppers too so things like blossom end rot so having crushed eggshells and things into the planting hole is said to help with that but also having a good watering schedule is going to help reduce problems with blossom and rot you want to water in your transplanted pepper plants i don't like to transplant things on a super hot day because it stresses out the plants even more if it's an overcast day i much prefer to do my transplanting then um, just because your plants are going to lose less moisture from transpiration with that heat and uh, they're going to be able to take up that water from the planting that you've just done um, i like to cover the soil around my pepper plants with mulch it's going to help your plants keep that moisture um, help them be able to take it up better because it's not being lost from um, evaporation and it's also going to reduce weeds so i use wood chips as a mulch but you can use things like a red plastic mulch. That's going to help fruit set and ripen. So that's a good tip if you're in a short season as well. Um, and actually, if you look for um, different gardening product manufacturers, you'll see things like that are red, um, like collars and things that you can put around your plants that will help the fruit set and ripen. Um, you can try those if you're interested. I've heard about the red plastic mulch before. Um, I've not used it. I don't tend to like to use plastic and things in the garden. Um, but maybe it's it's something that we will try if we're struggling to get things to ripen in the next season. Peppers typically need watering deeply at least once a week, right? You want to be giving them at least one to two inches of water. Try to water at the soil level, like near the roots and not on the leaves of the plant. You want to reduce disease. And one of the best ways to do that is by avoiding watering the actual plant itself. Now, of course, if it's raining, you're not going to be able to do much about that. But you can stop adding to the problem by just watering sort of towards the soil level. You could bury upturned um, like plastic bottles. So like take the cap off the bottle opening, plant that in the ground and then water into, you know, a cut off top or something. So you can water into there and just fill up that bottle 
from the bottom and then just let it seep out and that water is going to seep down where the roots are and then you can kind of plant um, your pepper plants around that water bottle that's kind of a neat way that I've seen um, you know watering being done and it definitely makes a easier time of watering it because you know where you're going to need to water because you just need to look for where the upturned plastic bottle is so that could be something that could work um, you can also just um, you know gently water with your watering can um, I have found that it's easier to direct the water without the rose on the end of the watering can that gives it that kind of fine sort of shower to it I find that if I have the rose on the watering can that's more likely to splash up on the leaves the problem without having the watering rose on is that it a lot more water that's coming out and it tends to wash the mulch and things away um, so that can be a little bit of a, a problem but if you have you know a good thick layer of mulch that's there and you're replacing the mulch regularly maybe you're doing chop and drop or something like that then that shouldn't be too much of a problem for you of course you could also look at doing something like a drip irrigation or a soaker hose irrigation and those also work really well particularly for um, peppers and things where you want to keep that moisture away from the leaves and the fruits too so you're not encouraging rot or blight or some of the other issues that they tend to get um, now peppers are going to need watering more if they're in a container or if it's hot and dry weather so if your plants are looking stressed out then you want to look at giving them some water it's usually better to water your plants earlier in the morning so that they're able to use that water throughout the day and not watering on an evening where there's a risk of having that water just kind of sitting on the leaves and on the plants and encouraging some of the um, diseases to um, thrive really and some peppers um, produce lots of big fruits and they need staking to be able to support the weight of the fruits and avoid the broken stems um, we grew some oh was it last year or was it the year before there was one that we grew and it had so many on it that the branches were just weighing down and touching the soil and we needed to try and put a cage around them but the plant had gotten too big so look at the varieties that you're growing if it's a variety like a bell pepper maybe set up the staking early to support the weight of the fruits and avoid the broken stems kind of like tomatoes you tend to want to be putting your tomato cages and stuff around the plant as you're planting so maybe you think about setting up your pepper cages as you're transplanting um, to avoid having broken stems and being able to have your plant um, have that support as it needs it and pepper cages can be made or they can be purchased to help with that so again have a look and see what's going to work for you and your budget now some gardeners like to regularly feed their pepper plants I add like handfuls of compost occasionally around the pepper plants mostly if I'm seeing like some of the mulch eroding away or maybe I've been turning the compost and I've got a bunch of compost and I'm just kind of 
getting it out into the garden maybe occasionally I will sprinkle some well-rotted manure down or maybe I will put a little bit of a OMRI OMRI listed organic fertilizer or do a compost tea every couple of weeks or so if I remember <laughs> which isn't always um, which is why I'm such a fan of kind of having a lot of compost added to your you know your garden bed and stuff as you're getting things prepped to go into the garden like I love layering things down having mulches and things that break down over time because then you're helping to feed your soil as you go rather than having to kind of keep remembering oh I need to fertilize or whatever um, chop and drop mulch can be helpful it can help to feed your plants as well as the cover you know covering the soil comfrey is a fairly typical one for chop and drop mulch but you know a lot of people use weeds too like put those weeds to good use if they're coming up in the garden and they're you know they haven't got um seeds or anything on them you know you could chop and drop them in place there and help feed that soil now I did mention that peppers can have a few pests and disease problems. So let's talk about some pests. Um, for me, deer and groundhogs were uh, the worst pests that I had to deal with in the first year that I grew them here. In fact, the deer ate all of them. And so did the, the groundhog definitely helped to um, eradicate some of the sweet peppers, not so much the hot peppers. Uh, the hot peppers were pretty resilient of the deer so that was quite good but from an entomology standpoint you want to be checking your plants for aphids flea beetles caterpillars cutworms loopers things that you know like to eat the leaves you want to be checking them for leaf miners that leave those little like white um, traces on the leaves leaf rollers weevils japanese beetles grasshoppers crickets and thrips and um, you know the internet's got lots and lots of info available for what those things look like for me japanese beetles were pretty pretty bad um, we've got a lot of things here on the farm that Japanese beetles love like the raspberries and then once they find the raspberries they see what else is in the garden um, but for me it was mostly the bigger pests that were an issue with the peppers but for some of you it might be more of the bugs that are a problem rather than the uh, the bigger pests so take time to check your plants for some of these things there's lots of um, organic kind of treatments that you can use most of them involve kind of a, a some sort of spray they might use neem they might use soap um, and involving like spraying the plant down to deter some of these pests things like caterpillars and stuff you know if you're not overly squeamish you might be able to pick those off um, because peppers are part of the um, tomato family or the nightshade family you might find things like tomato hornworms going for your peppers we certainly have seen that um, we've also seen them on potato plants as well and uh, those things because they're giant always kind of freak me out uh, I swear there was one that was the size of my husband's arm one year um, but you know you can just pick those those off and um, if you have chickens I'm sure they will be very happy um, about those um but if not then you know there's plenty of ways that you can dispose of them without um you know putting them near where your plants are going to be um because we don't want these bugs and pests and things 
in the garden but we do want to encourage good bugs into the garden so it's it's a happy medium um to have our garden um and live in a nice balance let's say with what is naturally in our area so you know i can deal with a, a few nibbles and things on leaves but if it looks like there's a lot more leaves that are getting nibbled and i'm starting to lose a lot of a plant then i'm going to need to do something about it but for most of the time um you find that there's a lot of kind of checks and balances naturally within the garden but do what works for you right like that works for me but that might not work for you you might not want to be seeing nibbles on your plants and you want to you know go ahead and treat your plants to get rid of those pests that are causing that problem and that's okay right there's as many ways to garden as there are people on the planet and you've got to garden the way that you want to and let's talk a little bit about diseases because peppers are susceptible to many diseases like many diseases that tomatoes or other members of the nightshade family can have so like blight for example right you can get potato blight and that's also the same as what can infect your tomatoes and unfortunately there's also blight that can infect your peppers the things that i found looking at my plants is you want to be checking for things like black brown spots or lesions that are on leaves brown streaks or yellow wilting leaves white fuzz on stems shriveling leaves these are indications of diseases and a lot of the diseases look very similar to us that are not um you know quite uh experts on plant pathology and diseases um but generally speaking if it's not you know lush and green looking and it's maybe looking like fuzzy or gray fuzz maybe this white fuzz these weird colored streaks or wet spots that look kind of brown or black or you know there's like a weird mottling coloring that's going on you know yellowing and stuff all these things can point to a disease most likely for some of these plants now most diseases can be managed with a good crop rotation so not growing the same plant family in the same garden bed year after year you want to have a good break between growing the same plant family so these diseases and things don't have a host and are not going to be perpetuating in your garden bed year after year you can also reduce your diseases from spreading by having wider plant spacings now where i live in utah it was arid i could have plants much closer together i didn't have much of a problem with diseases now i live somewhere with a lot of humidity i need the space i need to give my plants space to allow that air to circulate things to dry out and not have water kind of hanging around because when it's warm and there's moisture that is a breeding ground for a whole heap of diseases for nightshade family plants and mulching soil is going to stop having soil splashing up onto your plants and that's one way that the diseases can spread so that's why we want to be avoiding overhead watering so we're not having those plants getting wet so that disease isn't moving around we also want to be removing diseased plants and plant debris from the garden area those can harbor those diseases and if you've got plants that are not looking good and are starting to exhibit some of these things then if you're clipping things off so let's say you've got some 
you know hand pruning shears and you're taking the bits off that are looking diseased you want to be cleaning those before you go ahead and like prune a healthy plant so we don't want to be transferring these diseases between healthy plants and stuff and that's one way that we can do it by you know cleaning our tools and making sure that you know we're removing this plant debris from the garden area and not just letting it sit there over the winter where these diseases and stuff can be in the soil and continue to kind of set up shop in the soil so when you plant something that that is a host plant for um, it's just going to end up spreading again in your garden now for some people um, you might not want to be putting that diseased plant material into your compost because it could spread further into the garden because your compost pile is not heating up um, some people depending on where you are of course like plant debris often um, advised to be burned um, I mean we're going back a number of years now since I've lived in the UK um, but that was one of the things for potato homes like when you've pulled your potato plant if there's signs of blight that was on there it was often recommended that it was burnt rather than being put in the compost pile to stop that spreading so definitely look into uh, what's recommended if you're here in the US your university extension office is a great resource and they often have information about gardening and plant diseases and stuff and how to take care of um, diseased plant debris um, some places will even um, they can tell you what the disease is by submitting a plant sample so take a look it's a it, you know for a lot of us it's a free resource um for some testing you know you, there might be a fee associated with it um if it's photographs and stuff there may not be so see what there is um available for you but a lot of the information is also available online and you know i found that there's extension offices that are not necessarily in my state um but they've got a lot of really good information on different topics so take a look at that Okay, let's talk about harvesting your pepper fruits because you want to be harvesting them when they're basically the color and the size that you would like them to be. Um, I mean, I'm lucky if I even see red jalapenos at my house before my husband's gotten hold of them. He's usually eating them before um, I can say, don't eat that. I need it for the seeds for next year. Um, <laughs> they've usually been gone. Um, yeah, the, was it the first year? It might have been the first year. I thought that the deer was eating them all, but no it was it was my husband on that plant um, most peppers turn color they, they will change color and go to a deep red or, or a brownie red when they have reached a full maturity that would be ideal for seed saving but it's usually kind of past it for us to eat and lots of varieties change color from green to a red but others change to several colors um, some of them go through multiple different colors until they reach their final color in the seed maturity um, so i think there's a five color chinese uh, hot pepper and that has lots of different colors you know on the same plant we had uh, fruits that were red that were green that were like a, a whitish yellow some that were purple right and it was very pretty to look at aurora was another one that had lots of different colored uh, fruits phileas blue and then the final color that it 
it went to was all one solid um, colour afterwards when the seeds were, were ripe and the plant was um, done from a uh, fruiting perspective. But, um, you know, peppers come in lots of different colours, lots of different shapes, lots of different sizes. So harvest what it is that you're looking for. Some varieties of bell pepper are orange or yellow or purple even a chocolatey brown so there's lots and lots of options for you to have a beautiful rainbow of peppers growing in the garden now of course you want to be handling um hot peppers with gloves on um but generally a ripe pepper will easily come off the plant with a gentle tug and the little stem will easily break off the plant you can also use clean pruning shears um, or scissors. Again, if you're having multiple plants and some of them are looking, you know, having signs of disease on them, then you want to be cleaning your pruning shears after pruning the one that's looking a little uh, dicey with the disease so you're not spreading it round. Um, and, you know, there's lots of info about how to clean them. You might want to use some um, bleachy water to clean them or um, isopropyl alcohol, like a, an alcohol wipe or something, just to make sure that you're not spreading that disease and making sure that you're thoroughly drying your scissors or your pruning shears. Peppers are one of those plants where if you have regular harvesting, you're going to encourage more flowers and more fruits to form on the plant. And having a good level of phosphorus in your soil is going to help encourage those flowers being formed and more fruits to form on the plant. So if you're wanting to have like bumper crops, that's definitely something that helps with that. And I know for us in the beds where we spread a well-rotted farm manure that we'd picked up um, those were the beds that produced the best and a lot of that was down to the phosphorus that was in that well-rotted manure that had been spread in the season before so you might be thinking okay oh this is great but how many plants do i need to grow per person to make sure that i have enough well we grow a lot of peppers because we like to ferment them into sauce and we eat quite a lot of peppers in a variety of ways so think about what it is that you're wanting to do with your peppers um to begin with like if we're, we do like a lot of chili and canning and stuff like that so we like to have a lot to be able to do the canning activities which takes a, a lot of that glut that can come through but if you're wanting kind of fresh eating and stuff, you typically want to be growing about two to three pepper plants per person, per variety to have enough. So maybe two to three bell peppers per person and maybe two to three like hot peppers per person, right? If you're trying to save an individual variety seeds, then you're going to need to set up some sort of isolation to prevent unwanted cross-pollination or only grow one type at a time so hot peppers and sweet peppers are gonna cross-pollinate and while this isn't going to affect the fruits grown in this season the seed that's saved and grown out of those inadvertently crossed plants when you grow those seeds out then you might have some hot and sweet mixed plants that are growing in that next generation so if you don't want that to happen 
Uh, you want your sweet peppers to stay sweet, you want your hot peppers to stay hot, um, then you're going to need to have some sort of isolation. So look up things like isolation cages for cross-pollination. You can build them with row cover and wood and make like a little frame, like a box that goes over, or even PVC pipe. They're relatively easy to make. Um, or if you've got tall enough um, supports you could use like a floating row cover kind of deal to prevent unwanted cross-pollination but you're going to need to be able to set up some method of insects to pollinate your plants because plants do better so the peppers I've found do a lot better if there's some sort of insect pollination that's happening in there so there's a a bunch of different resources available um, the seed savers exchange actually is really great for how to save seed they've got a lot of articles on there so you can take a look at those and I mean I've got lots and lots of different um, seed saving books but the seed garden is one that I refer to again and again for how to look up things like isolating different varieties so I can grow multiple varieties and certainly this year because I have four different varieties of the seed that went moldy that I now need to grow out and I have no idea if the seed's even viable with it being moldy so I'm fingers crossed at this point but if I am able to get some of these varieties to grow I'm not going to be able to grow them all right next to each other I need to think about where I'm going to be putting these to grow and be able to save the seeds so I'm not having um, the cross-pollination happening with these so I could do it with you know some isolation cages maybe introducing um, some soldier flies or something like that into the uh, the isolation cage to help with the pollination um, that might work um, or I could look at growing them you know further away with lots of different plants in between to really reduce the likelihood that you know some of the native bees and things because we have a lot of native like bumblebees here um, in Maine so I'm having them growing far enough away that the pollinators are not necessarily going from you know one variety that's growing all the way down at the bottom of the hill to another variety that's growing all the way to the top of the hill for example but I do need to think about what my neighbors are growing because some of my neighbors are gardeners and they're growing pepper plants and things I don't really want to be growing these varieties that I'm I'm trying to steward and bring back from from the brink of um, them disappearing um, I don't really want to be growing those in a in an area where they could accidentally get cross-pollinated. So that's something to think about if you're wanting to seed save as well. And it, it's doable. Even in a small garden, it is doable to grow things and seed save. Now, of course, if you're not too bothered about having things, um, you know, cross-pollinate. So let's say, I, you know, you've got these four varieties of hot peppers and you're growing them um, near each other and you don't mind that they're cross-pollinating together. Maybe you're wanting to create your own variety and land race that is going to be thriving from your homestead year after year. Then you don't need to worry so much about setting up these isolation cages and protecting them from this unwanted pollination 
that's one of the reasons why I love land races so much and why I think it's such a great way to add more diversity and have that genetic resilience being created on your homestead is through a land race variety that you're developing yourself and you're saving and selecting those good strong plants year after year and you're basically creating a variety that you know is growing to the way that you garden and the way that your garden grows so the soil type that you have and the climate that you have and I know I've talked about land races before and if this is the first time that you're hearing the term take a look and see um, if you can find the other podcasts about the land races and there's um, plenty of resources available if you'd prefer to read about them as well so have a look at that now peppers themselves once you've harvested them there's a lot of things that you can do with them obviously you can eat them fresh you can freeze them you can dry them you can pickle them you can turn them into jelly you can ferment them into hot sauce there's lots and lots of things that you can do with peppers so what's your favorite pepper variety to grow and how do you like to use it let me know over in the facebook group until next time i hope your garden grows beautifully and i'll see you in the next episode.